This is not your typical success story. This is about someone who had an amazing career in the music industry, managing tours for artists like Jason Derulo, Tony Braxton, and Kirk Franklin, and decided to give it all up and get into a space where people like her aren't typically represented as a black gay woman. The person I'm talking about is Arlen Hamilton. Some of you might have heard of her. She is our guest for this episode of Diverse Disruptors. And the space we're talking about is venture capital. As the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, Arlen isn't the typical image of a venture capitalist, which is mostly white and male, probably attended an Ivy League school and grew up in a well-to-do home. Arlen's journey to start Backstage Capital was not an easy one. When she was working to get her firm off the ground back in 2015, she was homeless. She slept in cars, airports, and on couches. That persistence and determination eventually paid off. Backstage Capital has raised more than $12 million and invested in more than 150 startups led by underestimated founders, a term she coined replacing the word underrepresented, which we use a lot of, you probably heard of. It comes as no surprise that I'm a huge fan of Arlen and her journey. I truly admire and respect her and what she is doing with Backstage Capital. When I found out I get to have her as one of my guests for this podcast, I completely, totally geeked out. I got a chance to talk to Arlen about how she and Backstage have been doing during the pandemic, her new book, It's About Damn Time, Imposter Syndrome, and Corporations' Commitments to Racial Justice and Equity, and a whole lot more. It's been a crazy last 12 months. How you been doing during this pandemic? How's Backstage Capital handling the pandemic? What's going on yeah. in your world? Thanks for having me, first of all, uh, and thanks for asking. We've been okay. You know, it's it's been like a lot of people. We've gone through ebbs and flows and different parts and dynamics of this whole process. But the last year has been very, overall has been okay. We um, we went through a lot of turmoil at the beginning. We had layoffs. We lost mm. a lot of capital. And then, you know, the world seemed to turn on fire. But since then, we've really calibrated. And one of the things that helped us and helped me personally was getting into that survivor mode and that mode of helping other people. That helped me, like, deal with the what was happening to us. And so we got, we really quickly, we got together with our portfolio companies, who we call our headliners to our backstage mm. capital, and started thinking of ways at scale we could be helpful, putting them in front of legal, putting them in front of uh, accounting, getting them connected to banks if they needed for PPP, education, all of that. And, and so that helped steady the storm for us. How many um, companies in your portfolio now? Well, it's more than 150. It's, oh, wow. Someone told me it was 170. Someone on the team okay. said that. And uh, it, we, we probably make a couple of investments per week. Wow. One of the things I want to ask, I want to uh, like, like your story is amazing. I, I have your book. Actually, I had two copies of your book. Gave Thank one you. away. Um, big thing I want to talk about was recent, like what happened last year. Like besides the pandemic, you heard, you, you saw the, you witnessed the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Arbery. What happened was it became this kind of racial reckoning in some way. Um, maybe that's a strong word. I don't know how to phrase it best. But you start seeing everybody from VCs and corporations start committing dollars to racial justice, rec- racial equity, and more importantly, to venture capital and supporting black startups and tech startups. What are your thoughts about that? And 
Have any corporations feel like, in your view, gotten it right? Mm -hmm. And what have they gotten it wrong? And what should they be doing in this space to eliminate that gap of capital and access? Yeah, it, the racial reckoning, I think, is, is fine to say. And I think it's, you know, delicate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, this is this is it. There, there need be no turning back at this point. I hope, I hope so. Uh, I, I saw a lot of of the tech companies and the big corporations, the Fortune 500s, the banks, all of that. I saw them come out and and have their thing to say or not say, and that was as as loud as anything. If their silence. Um, and I said at the time, and I you know I still think this this is true. The proof is in the pudding, and the proof will be in the long term. Everybody can write up a press release when everybody else is writing up a press release and it doesn't give them any risk, of course. Mm. But I do I do think that uh, a few people who have said, you know, we're coming out here with some real money and hopefully they're not thinking they're going to get a parade for that because this is the least they could do, but they're coming mm. out here with some real money and they're spending that money. And I think up for the most part, um, backstage itself was not really privy to a lot of that capital, but I think that's changing. Mm. And um, so I'm able to see, but I am able to see the back channels and see the back the conversations that happen from that. So I think people like, um, even though at at the time of this recording they have not invested in us, uh, PayPal I do think has did a good job because they came out with the real number. They came out with mm. something like 500 million or something like. Mm. They came out with a real number, and I at the time I said. That's what I'm talking about, right? I think Microsoft is doing some interesting things, although I think they should do a better job of promoting what they're doing and not just do it behind the scenes because that's mm -hmm. they can have a, a ripple effect. And so yeah. that goes to your other part of your question is what could they be doing better? It's, it's going to be very difficult to like get it perfectly right and how they say this, but they do need to make a big stink about it because they need to make other corporations experience FOMO and realize they're supposed to be doing that too. And they need to be highlighting the companies that they're putting these dollars behind. So uh, Apple is another ex example of who, do who does that well. Uh, Bank of America is an example of who does that well so far. And we'll see what happens, uh, what happens next. But people who come out with either a very small amount of capital compared to what they have available to them for other projects, or people who don't say anything at all, or people who put out a, a report but didn't do anything to change what's going on inside their company – they can they can have they can leave they can they can mm. have all the seats i call that uh there was a joke what i used to call uh, here like see certain companies do certain things but just enough money i call it press release money that's my uh -huh. thing i call it <laughs> um yeah. do you feel like these companies do you feel like the people who are getting it right apple um paypal you think this is temporary or you think this is long term for these companies I can only hope that it's long term. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But I, I, I do know that we've seen a lot of things happen, and it's like a, it's a, it's a ripple. And I think this is more of a wave. And I do think, just like the Me Too movement, you know, it didn't affect everybody correctly and equally, but it mm -hmm. did change things fundamentally in the entertainment world and the venture space in our way that we think about things i think that's what happened in 2020 and i think that i talk to corporations every single week i'm either hired to speak at a corporation or i'm invited to partner with one or we're working with our backstage headliners on connecting them with potential acquisitions or people that they can just have as customers so i'm looking in that world more so than i ever have and it is 
it is stunning the difference a year makes in how they talk about race and that it is so uh, front of mind. I hope it lasts. It's lasted longer in a lot of cases than I thought it would for the past <laughs> few months. So I yeah. hope it lasts for years. I hope it lasts as long as it needs to last until there is no underrepresented, until there is no inequality. And then on the uh, side of government, what the role does government have in this space, or if any? Well, it definitely has a role. I'm very excited about what Biden and Kamala and everybody has in mind and the hundreds of people that are working for the for the administration now. Uh, I think they're on the right track. And I think that this idea of, you know, just plowing money into entrepreneur hubs and funds for emerging managers and getting the money in bulk to the people who are on the ground floor, who are in the trenches, who can get that money out to the real entrepreneurs and to the small businesses, I think is, is great. And I definitely think it's, it's their duty. It's, it's, this is our tax money and it should be used that same way that university endowments, uh, pensions, and all of those should be used the same way. We recently did a podcast on systemic racism called By Every Measure, and one of, and we broke down each episode based off a certain system. One of the systems that I'm really close to is the racial wealth gap. Talking about, you know, housing and real estate is one way to build wealth, and entrepreneurship is another way to build wealth. But tech startups is, is a great way to really build wealth, especially in the black community. Can you explain how that works for people who don't understand why, 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 why is a tech startup can help me build wealth compared to me having a mom and pop shop? Yeah, and it, it 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 there's there's not a one fits all answer to that, but in a lot of cases if you think about many of the success stories of the past couple of decades or three decades and think about what you use on a daily basis, you use Twitter, you may use your Apple phone, you may use uh an app, something to listen to this on, uh, uh a way to get into your house, et cetera, et cetera. These are all things that were built essentially by just a few humans most of them in Silicon Valley or, you know, or something similar. And then it was built and, and grown and had some sort of uh, innovative capital behind it that that seeded it and, and helped it compete and grow. And then it became something most likely public or something that was acquired. And not everything goes on to be Apple or goes on to mm-hmm. be Microsoft or Twitter, but so many thousands of companies go on to generate revenue and to just be everything that you look around. It's almost like design. Everything that you look around that you can see has been designed by someone. Everything mm-hmm. that we use now is is was built by someone, you know, and, and I don't know the percentage, but it's a majority percent was built by probably a startup founder in some way. Mm-hmm. And so in the uh, historically, most of those founders who go on to have those success stories and have the most likely the most success financially have been uh, white men, mm-hmm. the majority, or immigrant or or other. Uh, and then there's been a very few who have been other immigrants, people of color, LGBTQ, black people, and women. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of that, right? So it, the the idea of the founders, their first 100 employees, people who get to invest in them early on, all of these people are receiving some sort of windfall at some point. Not every single time, but at some point mm. in the success success stories. And that is why, think about the PayPal mafia you may have heard of, mm. that the listeners may have heard of. Seven or eight men who were at PayPal, it was purchased, and they went on to all be 
eventually be billionaires. Some of them were made billionaires during this process, mm. but some of them had $100 million and they turned that into a billion dollars. Mm. And they'll never have to worry financially. Their generations after them will not have to worry. And that's generational wealth. Yeah. Well, you don't see that happen. You don't see that historically, but I think that's what the future holds for us. And that's that's what I'm looking for. And it's also it's also in not necessarily the billion dollar company stories. No. It's also in same kind of ideas, the mom and pop shops. But what if you can scale that for more customers, more people to see it, mm. maybe more countries to experience it? When you see corporations like Apple or PayPal invest in black founders, it isn't charity. It's an opportunity. Black-led startups fill a market need just like their white counterparts. It not only benefits the investors, but the communities who have been left out of this thing called the American dream for generations due to systemic and structural racism. Investing in these companies benefits everyone. Coming up in the second part of my conversation, Marla and I talk about something I felt, and, and maybe you have too, that feeling of imposter syndrome. We talk about how to get yourself out of that thinking. We also look ahead to the future of venture capital and how the crowd will play a part. Plus, we talk about the rise of Black-owned so-called unicorn startups and whether or not Arlen sees a bubble forming. Stay here. We'll be right back with more Diverse Disruptors. Diverse Disruptors is presented by United Ways Tequity, an initiative of Technology United Techquity strives to bridge the divide throughout the community for students, job seekers, and vulnerable populations. Diverse Disruptors is presented by Northwestern Mutual. Northwestern Mutual is making investments and supporting programs that create a diverse and inclusive tech and entrepreneur community locally and nationally. Support for Diverse Disruptors comes from your membership and from Carthage College. Carthage is committed to embracing diversity, promoting inclusion, and practicing equity to nurture a true sense of belonging to individuals within the campus community. More about Carthage's diversity and inclusion commitments at carthage.edu. Welcome back. This is Tariq Moody. As we get back into my interview with Arlen Hamilton, we're going to start with this concept that has been all over tech, media, and news headlines, the concept of the unicorn startup. These are startups that are massively successful and exploded in value quickly. Like almost close to a billion dollars of value, basically, is the qualifications for a unicorn startup. One example is the company Calendly, one you might have heard of, even used at work. Turns out, on a personal note, I attended the rival high school of the founder outside of Atlanta, Georgia. So I find this story very, very fascinating. But basically, if you're not familiar, Calendly simplifies your calendar. It makes booking meetings easier. In a year remote working, it did particularly well. And that is kind of an understatement. Get this, by the end of this past January, it was valued at $3 billion. And that's after a closing a $350 million investment round. And Calendly isn't the only unicorn out there right now. And it got me thinking, uh, remember the uh, internet bubble uh, back in the early 2000s where people were throwing money at these startups like Pets.com? It made me wonder, is this, is this a repeat of what's happening? Like these companies are having huge valuations and, and uh, is this a bubble? And, and whether or not 
this is actually too good to be true. And that's where I picked back up with Arlen Hamilton. So talk to me about the unicorn. Do you think that these valuations are happening are true to its their value, I guess. I don't know if it is, but it never has been in the past mm. for anybody else. So I don't have a problem with it. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if there's a bubble for black billionaires. Let there be. That'd be a great problem to have, mm. okay? To have billion dollar companies. A unicorn is what they call a, a billion dollar company. Uh, Aileen Lee, uh, uh, I believe, came up with that at uh, Cowboy Ventures in a think piece in 2012 or 13 or something like that. And that's what the name you call it that. And yes, and then you have Julia from Zoom Pizza, or I think it's called Zoom Pizza, and that was yep. a unicorn. She was a black co-founder of that. She left that company, and I think she's building the next unicorn, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful to be a, an investor in her. I don't see that there's a bubble. There's I don't know that there's a, a, a grander bubble with unicorns because it just – we work happened, and nobody batted an eye. Yeah. Now we're just talking about simply people building companies. Mm-hmm. Talk about Tope at uh, a Calendly. Just very quietly over the years, yep. plowing his own money back into this early because people wouldn't invest. And then finally, when it was making a ton of money, he didn't need to take their money. And now he just recently took money at a higher valuation than anybody you know, was guessing. And I, if that's going to be a bubble, let it be. You know, like I, I know that's a little um, it's a little disingenuous, but. Mm. I don't think it's a bubble, and I think that we deserve to, black people deserve to have a little bit of uh, room to fail and room to be wrong and room to celebrate. Yeah, because I feel like we're not allowed in this space to fail. Like, no. the guy, what I, I got the name, the Quibi, like, just wasted money yeah. on Quibi and, like... yeah. I was rooting for Quibi too. I was rooting for him. But he did, they wasted money and he's going to be just fine. Fine, yeah. He's going to be just fine. But, you know, let somebody else, let a black person mess up that kind of money, never again. Let's talk about another company that's got a billion dollar valuation that's been in the news Clubhouse. Yes. There's been a lot of talk about Clubhouse wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for black folks, black creatives. Yeah. Um, do Clubhouse owe? Anything they, to everything to black creatives. And I say that as someone who's been on the site, um, I, I, I have no ill will for the site, but I did uh, back uh, one of their competitors, uh, not a direct competitor, but somebody who could be considered a competitor, competitor in the space called The Cookout, which is for black uh, come together in the cookout, you know, and mm. that's where the culture is. So... I think the person who found them in order to get them their first investment from Andreessen was Chris Lyons, who is a black man. So they owe them for, they owe black people for everything. You know, it was Felicia Horowitz (laughs) who came in and said, let me get all these tastemakers and all these people to come in and blow up the spot and make you, put you on the map. So yeah, they owe black people everything. Who will get the credit will be Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz. Let's talk about your book. Your story is amazing. Like, you know, from where you came from to where you are is just an inspiring story. But some of the things you talk about kind of hit close to me. I want to talk about two things. I want to start with imposter syndrome. I feel like my last year, even though the pandemic had, there's things that happened to me, opportunity. I, I, I got to know Justin Vernon Bonivere, work with him on a campaign. I'm working my own startup right now. I, my, my radio show, my music radio show is getting syndicated. In, it's, in, it's in Norfolk, Virginia, Chicago. We'll be in Philly and North Carolina this, in February. So all this is happening. And this podcast is... Yeah, but I still feel sometimes... Like, I don't deserve this. How do you, 
how do you tell somebody, especially black people who are getting to spaces where success is happening and they, they, they question mm-hmm. themselves? How do you fight that? How do you well, Here's my question that? for you. Who, who deserves it if you don't? Who deserves it if you don't? That's my question, right? And that could yeah. be a 30-minute conversation. But that's the question I asked. Of course, we're, we're kind of trained to think that we're supposed to accept less. We're, we're definitely trained, especially women, and not just women, but especially women are trained. We're not supposed to boast. We're not supposed, that's for the men. They can boast, but we can't. I don't subscribe to any of that. I'm a, I'm a biggest cheerleader. I'm my own biggest cheerleader because as much as I ride for myself, I ride for everybody else. I want us all to win. So I try, I mean, the, the simplest way to say it is say what you would say to your best friend, to yourself. Why don't you deserve this? Everything that you've done up until this point has led to where you are today. Every single, in my opinion, and I think that maybe you could agree here, every single black person in the United States, in my opinion, is underpaid and undervalued. So if you think that way, like I do, then everything that we get is owed to us. We got here on our own merit. We deserve this. I had that same entitlement as the next mediocre white man. And I'll and I'll talk to him about it. I don't think that all white men are mediocre, but the mediocre white men have the most bravado that I know. So I don't I I don't think anybody is where they're supposed to be. Uh, like n- nobody knows exactly how they got there. Barack Obama said in his book that, you know, if you have 30 hours, listen to it. Beautiful book. He said when he got to the White House, he looked around, his people looked around, they all looked around and said, how did we get here? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but you become president and you, you, you become and you do. And now you are. Mm. I think I got one last question for you. So I'm going to skip to like, what trends do you see in 2021 beyond as far as the, the, the startup space, tech space for investing? What are you looking for? I don't do trends. There are certain things. Yeah, I don't do trends at all, but I've been saying this since 2017 and I can see it happening right now. I think the crowd is what's the future, you know, what's next. The crowd. I was saying that in the context for the last three some plus years of crowdfunding, crowd equity funding, bypassing the gatekeepers and venture capital to get that funding to 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 go towards that generational wealth. You know, you I'd rather have a hundred people backing me at a at a thousand dollars and you know, they they can each help me in some way than having to knock down the door of a, a venture capitalist. Now you're seeing it and, you know, who knows what it'll be like, things with the shorting and, and the game stops and all of that. And that's yeah. and that's like proving out that the that the, uh, the, crowd, the crowd, the crowd, beware the crowd. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's the future in many forms. Is a Backspace looking at doing that kind of uh, investing for your portfolio companies, having the like people like me to give a few hundred dollars. That's is that something you're thinking about because, as well? Uh, February 1st, we announced that uh, we did something very special, uh, very new. You go to republic.co slash backstage. You can own a piece of backstage and then you can have upside in every company we've ever invested in alongside us if we have upside. Well, thank you, Arlen, for taking the time to speak to me and here in Milwaukee. And uh, really do appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, again, thank you for your advice, your input, your book. <laughs> Thanks. It's About Damn Time is the name yeah. of the book. You can go to itsaboutdamntime.com to check it out. And I appreciate you having me on. 
Our thanks to Arlen Hamilton, author and founder of Backstage Capital. We provide links on our website to our new crowd investing platform, Backstage Crowd, and more about our book titled, It's About Damn Time. And coming up next time on Diverse Disruptors, we meet another innovator who, like Dorsch, who we met in our first episode, did a stint in music before launching his company. A lot of times in your life, you're going to get told that you can't do something. That may be from a friend, maybe from a medical professional, maybe from a teacher. And you can either just accept it and not do it or figure out how to do it. Nash Ahmed is the founder of Undoc, which is an all-in-one meeting platform that handles scheduling, hosting, and documenting meetings. I knew Undoc could be a global business, a $10 billion, $50 billion, $100 billion business. After sitting on it for quite a bit of time, I wasn't just like, I'm just going to start this one. I had so many different ideas, some of them good, some of them maybe not so good, some of them venture backable, some of them not venture backable. I picked the biggest, most venture backable idea that I had and started working on it. Thanks for listening to our second episode of Diverse Disruptors. If you haven't done it yet, take a second to subscribe to this podcast. I have so many amazing conversations to bring you in season one, and we'll be releasing new episodes every Monday during this season. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, we love to hear from you. Rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, or just give me a thumbs up. That's fine, too. And don't forget, over at our website, you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter. I'm Tariq Moody, and this is Diverse Disruptors from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. Diverse Disruptors is presented by Northwestern Mutual and United Way's Tequity, with support from Carthage College. Diverse Disruptors is hosted by Tariq Moody, executive produced by myself, Nate Immig, with production support from Kenny Perez. Marketing by Sarah Lahr and Aaron Bagata, with community outreach by Maddie Reardon. Our development director is Maggie Corey. Dory Zori is 88.9's program director. Jordan Lee is our station director. And Kevin Sucker is 88.9's executive director. Biggest thanks to our members for making this and all content on 88.9 possible. You can find out more about membership at radiomilwaukee.org slash support. Diverse Disruptors is an original podcast production of 88.9 Radio Milwaukee.